All right. Well, thank you, Ashley, very much. And um, thank you, everyone, for being here tonight. My name is uh, David G, and I am an alcoholic addict. I'm very grateful by the grace of kind and loving God to have been sober from alcohol and drugs since August 8th of 1994. And I'm grateful to have a sexual sobriety date of October 1st of 2019, where I hit an emotional bottom after 24 years of being in recovery and practicing the principles as best I knew how uh, and, and able to come into that fellowship of men and, and begin to bring the big book message thereafter and, and recover from that addiction as well. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be here tonight. First, I want to thank a loving God, as always, first. Next, I'd like to thank Ashley P., my good friend from North Carolina, for all the work that she has done to make this study possible. Thank you so much for your service. My friend, Bekor from New Jersey, who stepped up to take care of the, uh, the Zoom link and the account that, that could seat so many people. And also, I'm, I'm very grateful to the Bali Bucket Group as well for requesting this study. Uh, Sometime back, I'd started uh, sponsoring a man and, and a few men over there, actually, uh, from that part of the world who had been in the program for a long time, like most of us. And uh, once they seen the simplicity of the message, they began to recover. Others were attracted to that recovery. And that led to the request of, of this big book study coming to be. My good friend, Dennis T., that's here tonight, had invited me a few years ago to do one of these uh, with the Alaska group. And uh, we did about 25 weeks, which is recorded on tape. And uh, it, it was a very successful run. I do feel a lot of people were able to uh, not only uh, recover that didn't know about the big book message, but those that did know about it, it was able to enhance their experience as well. I was asked a short time after that to do a big book study with a group of men in Lakewood, New Jersey. And what a powerful study that was. There's a man here tonight who uh, joined in on this book and covered. And I'm very grateful um, that our uh, message continues to spread throughout the world. And, you know, I hear so many times over and over, you know, my message, you know, or my program, a program, the book is very, specific about it being the message of recovery as outlined in the big book. In fact, the very first promise in the big book begins on the title page where we're going to be tonight. That's where we're going to kick the study off. It tells us that we have recovered from alcoholism. And for me, when I first came to Alcoholics Anonymous in 1994, you didn't talk about being recovered. That was something that the old timers did not like. They said, you never recover from this and in, until you die. And in your case, it'll be a few days after you die, whenever they throw dirt over you. Well, I sit in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and suffered needlessly for a year. And at the end of that, I, I was in such terrible shape. At nine months of recovery, I lost a son. He drowned. Uh, you know, life just went on and on and on uh, down a bad road. I met a man who put me into the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and showed me how to recover from a hopeless state of mind. Um, it wasn't long after that until I was introduced to Charlie P. from Joe and Charlie, and Charlie became my earliest mentor of the big book. 
Charlie was able to help me very much to uh, to understand the in-depth message of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I had a life-changing spiritual experience, as Ashley said in the introduction. After a time, other things begin to compete for our recovery and our experience here. And if we're not awake to what's going on, those things usually went out. And that's exactly what happened to me. In three years from the time that experience took place in 1995, by 1998, I had lost that experience. Lust and sexual acting out had become a part of my life, and it stayed with me for the next 25 years. So it was very, very hard for me to understand that part of addiction. I, I just thought it was a problem that would go away, that I would get over it, love would fix it, I would marry this one, that one, everything would continue to go well. Uh, it, it didn't work out that way. It just didn't. However, I did continue to grow in the fellowship and uh, I, I had many life changing experiences, but that would always come back to get me until in 2019, I hit an emotional bottom in recovery after 24 years and found myself in a hopeless state of mind one more time inside of the rooms. Fifth tradition says, you know, that, that we carry the message to the alcoholic who still suffers. That's not only talking about the newcomer. There are a lot of people with a lot of years of sobriety and recovery who end up in a hopeless state of mind after being in the rooms and not really practicing what the book has to say. We jump onto the logos. We, we fall into the trap, 90 meetings, 90 days, get a sponsor, read the book. That's all great. It really is. But if I don't have a spiritual experience here, none of that matters. So it, it was a great honor for me after coming into Sexholics Anonymous in 2019 to go through this process of the book again in a way that I never had before. And at that time, my experience was unlike anything that I'd had in all those years, even with Charlie. I really began to see what the nature of the problem really was. If it's alcohol, don't drink. You shouldn't have any more problem, right? If it's drugs, don't use drugs anymore. You shouldn't have any more problem, right? If your problem is lust or it's acting out, just don't lust and act out. You shouldn't have a problem with that anymore, right? But for people like us, once that stuff goes away, the real problem begins in the mind. And that's where we start to learn about self. And that's something we're going to look at very in-depth as we go through this study, through the weeks. We're really going to have to look at thoughts, ideas, concepts, beliefs, all of these things that are formed usually at a young age and begin to grow with us. The insanity is is I don't know this is happening to me. I start acting and reacting to thoughts and beliefs. I try to push those onto you whenever you don't believe or you don't conform to them. I get upset. I get angry. I get into resentment. I get into fear. And the next thing you know, here we go. My addiction. I have to grab a hold of something to comfort that. And for me, that's lust and acting out and all the other things that go with it. So tonight, we're going to start on the title page in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is in the very front of the book. And it reads in bold letters, Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, if you have a fourth edition book, which I hope you do, the very first page is probably going to be blank. And I was told that's what I knew about recovery, not about the fellowship. We're going to learn the difference between the fellowship and the program. There's a big difference there. And so when you look at the very first page, what you're going to see is a blank page. And usually that's what we know about the program or recovery. Absolutely nothing. The very next page reads Alcoholics Anonymous, and the very first problem that's to be found in the big book is there. Your page should read something like this. 
It says, this is the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. Notice how it doesn't say alcohol. It doesn't say drugs. It doesn't say lust. It says ism. That's what we suffer from after we've sobered up. Obviously, something is wrong. Something is deeper than what we're using to medicate that. A lot of people say that the ism stands for I self and me, I sponsor me. They come up with all of these acronyms, all of this stuff. I don't really know. For me, it's thoughts, concepts, beliefs, ideas, and prejudice. So if I'm going to underline any three words in that sentence, it's going to be ism, because that's what I suffer from when I'm sober. Every time I try to sober up, I fall back into that over and over and over. If you look at the contents, if you will turn the page and look at the contents, this is what we're going to do. This is where we're headed. We're going to look at some general information. First, we're going to look at the preface. We're going to look at the forward to the first, second, third, and fourth edition. That's all general information. That's all that's there for. After that, we're going to look at the doctor's opinion. We're going to look at the problem and the diagnosis. We're going to look at Bill's story. There is a solution more about alcoholism. That is all step one, every bit of that. There are 88 pages in the big book that lays out the instructions on how to recover. 43 of those pages are on step one. So when I hear somebody tell me, David, I work step one to its fullest every day, I smile. I say, really? So, you know, just not using and just not drinking, just not acting out, that's, that does not solve the problem because there's still something much deeper going on inside of us. We're going to see that through these chapters. The next thing we're going to look at is step two, which is found in We Agnostics. That's the solution and the prescription. We're going to take a deep look at step two. Many of us think that that's about a belief in God. I assure you, it's much deeper than that. I assure you. What we're going to find out is who has been God this entire time. Was it self or was it the God of reason? Or was it the God of love? I think we'll see something very interesting there. After that, we're going to look at chapters five and six. That's going to put us into steps three and four, and then five through 11. That's going to be directions for the prescription and how to find a solution and how to stay in the solution. At that point, after that's over, we're going to look at chapter seven, working with others, which is entirely devoted to step 12. We're going to see exactly how to work with somebody and exactly what to do. I hear all of these things about sponsorship and the way that people sponsor and this and that. And most of it has absolutely nothing to do with, with what our book says to do. I know because I did it for years myself. And that was just it. I didn't know. After that, we will probably look at other areas of life after recovery. After the experiences took taking place, we'll probably look at the chapter to the wives, the family afterwards, the employers and the vision for you. So this will probably be a very long study. All right. So if you'll flip a couple of pages to the right, we're going to begin in the preface of the book tonight. I like to put this into the first person whenever I sponsor with somebody. I don't ask them to go read and then come back and talk to me about it. I sit down and I read the book with them. Not because I don't think they know how to read or that they're too illiterate to read. But obviously, if we come in here with a mind that is sick from addiction, and we're sitting here trying to read something with that mind, it's going to take us in all kinds of different ways and understanding that probably isn't the truth. And what usually happens is we end up back in the same place over and over. 
So looking at the preface, and I do have a fourth edition book in front of me, it says this. This is the fourth edition of the book Alcoholics Anonymous. The first edition appeared in 1939. In the following 16 years, more than 300,000 copies went into circulation. My God, that's, that's amazing. I mean, look at that, 300,000 copies. The second edition in 1955 reached a total of more than 1,150,500 copies. In a short time, look at how it went from 300 to a million one hundred fifty thousand five hundred. If you read this very carefully, and if you begin to watch, you're going to see how the hand of God begins to move, and how He really, really came to the aid of the attic. And it says because this book. Now we're talking about something different than the fellowship here. I hear people say all the time, David, I've been in and out of the program for years. I assure you, I've met thousands of people who have been in and out of the fellowship. Very few that have been in and out of the program, either you're in or you're out. So we're talking about something much different than the fellowship here because of the book, not the fellowship. And I'm not dogging the fellowship. I got to have, I have to have it. I love them. I love you. And I hope you love me, but because the book has become the basic text for our society and has helped such large number of alcoholic. And we're going to say addict as well, men and women to recovery. That's what we're here for. There exists a strong sentiment against any radical changes being made in it. Therefore, the first portion of this volume describing the AA recovery program, not my program, not a program, the AA recovery program is described in the first portion of this volume, which is the first 164 pages of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's been largely untouched in the course of revisions made for the second, third and fourth edition. The section called The Doctor's Opinion has been kept intact just as it was originally written in 1939 by the way, the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, our society's great medical benefactor. We're going to learn about this man. We're going to learn what he did for Alcoholics Anonymous. He wrote a chapter in this book, and it's the only chapter written in the book that was not written by an alcoholic, but it carries more impact to addicts throughout the world. I don't care what your problem is, if it's overeating, if it's undereating, if it's gambling, if it's sex. If it's alcohol or drug addiction, if it's codependency, it, it doesn't matter what it is. This chapter will break that down and show us exactly why we return back to that behavior over and over and over and over. That was great news to me. Nobody had ever shown me that uh, within the first year that I sat in the rooms dying. <clears throat> no one even talked about it in open meetings. So it says the second edition. Um, added the appendices, the 12 traditions and directions for getting in touch with AA, but the chief change, here's the key to this paragraph. The chief change was in the section of the personal stories. That's what always changes. The story, the stories, that's what always changes. The first 164 pages of the book has never changed. Why? Because that's the program of recovery. Bill's story. Dr. Bob's Nightmare, one other personal history from the first edition was retained intact. Three were edited. One of these were retitled. New versions of two stories were, were written with uh, new titles. 30 completely new stories were added. And the story section that was divided into three parts under the same headings that are used now. So in the third edition, 
That's the book I sobered up on in 1934 was the third edition. The fourth edition wasn't out at that time. Pioneers of AA was left unchanged. Nine of the stories in part two, they stopped in time, was carried over from the second edition. Eight stories were added. In part three, they lost, they lost nearly all. Eight stories were retained. Five new were added. That's what's changed in the big book. Nothing more, just that. So this fourth edition, it includes the 12 concepts. That's something that we should talk about at some point in this study. For world service and, and revises the three sections of the personal stories as follows. One new story has been added to part one and two that originally appeared uh, in part three have been uh, repositioned there. Six stories have been deleted. Six of the stories in part two have been carried over. 11 new ones have been added and 11 taken out. Part three now includes 12 new stories. Eight were removed in addition to the two that were transferred in, in part one. So that's where the changes have taken place. All changes over the years in the big book, AA's members' fond nickname for this volume has had the same purpose to represent the current membership of Alcoholics Anonymous more accurately. That's the only reason they're there, to represent the current membership of Alcoholics Anonymous, not the program of Alcoholics Anonymous that is found in the first 164 pages of the book. A couple of questions here to really reflect on when I take somebody through this part of the book. We want to look at this. If you have a drinking problem, let's couple that with a using problem, with an addiction problem, a sex problem, whatever it may be. That's the first question. Do I? Do I have this? <laughs> Most of us are going to answer yes to that or we wouldn't be here. We hope that you may pause in reading one of the 42 personal stories, we like to say the text. We like to pause in reading the text. I don't read the personal stories with guys that I sponsor. That's something for them to do on their own personal time or with somebody else. I just don't do that. And think, yes, that happened to me. And that's what we want to look at in depth in this book. What actually happened to me? Is it because I'm a lust addict? Is it because I'm an alcoholic or a drug addict? Is it because I was abused? Is it because I killed a man and went to prison? What, what really is the problem here? What really happened to me? And we're going to see through the pages of this book what happened to each one of us. And that's going to be very, very enlightening. More important, yes, I felt like that. They say it's a feelings disease. I don't agree with that. I felt very good a lot of times. When I had a pretty girl sitting on my lap with a pocket full of money, Jack Daniels, drugs, whatever it may be, I felt good. So feelings for me really doesn't have anything to do with that. In fact, as we get through here, we see that self usually sets all of that up anyway. But the most important question, do I believe that this program can work for me too? And if I can answer that honestly, then I'm on my way with the big book, the message, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So let's look it forward to the first edition. Let's put this into the first person. Let's take a very close look. Forward to the first edition. This is the forward as it appeared in the first printing of the first okay. edition. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered. Not recovering. We have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Not just mind, but body as well. That's what we want to take a look at. A hopeless state of mind. See, not alcohol, not drugs, not lust, not any of that stuff a hopeless state of mind and body. 
And when we get into the doctor's opinion, we'll see exactly why it says body. To show other alcoholics and addicts precisely, precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. Not the fellowship, not any of that, but the book. That's the main purpose. For them, we hope, and these are the key words, these pages will prove so convincing that no further authentication is necessary. I run into people all the time. They have very good value in their faith tradition, but that didn't save them from their addiction. It just didn't. They kept falling back on it, falling back on it. I was the same way. It wasn't enough to save me, and we're going to see why that is. Now, those things are very good. Once we sober up, we're able to go back to that and really, really uh, have a good experience there. But in the beginning, <laughs> we hope these pages will prove so convincing that no further authentication will be necessary. We think this account of our experiences will help everyone to better understand the alcoholic or the addict. That includes myself. I have a better understanding of me today than I ever had in my life. I've been to therapists, I've been to this, and they all have their purposes and they're good. If my problem's therapeutic, that's probably going to help me quite a bit. But what I start to understand and learn here is my problem is spiritual. And it's going to take a spiritual experience in order to relieve that. And so that's what we're headed for. Many do not comprehend the alcoholic is a very sick person, do I? Do I really comprehend how sick the alcoholic is? Do I really not have a lot of tolerance for my sponsees today? Do I really think that I'm just up here a little bit higher than they are today? How many of us really comprehend that the alcoholic or the addict is a very sick person and some of them living right in our home with us? And besides, we're sure that our way of living has its advantages for all. Why? Because it's a universal problem. It's not drugs. It's not alcohol. It's not sex. It's not food. It's none of that stuff. It is a spiritual illness brought on by a human condition called self. And that's what we're going to dig into very deeply. So it's important that we remain anonymous because we're too few at present to handle the overwhelming number of personal appeals, which may result from this publication. We cannot very well carry on our occupations in such an event. We would like you to understand that our alcoholic work is an advocation. I think some of us try to take it more than just a hobby. We, we take it. We take it for something different. I know I have. So when writing or speaking publicly about alcoholism, we urge each of our fellowship to admit his personal name, designating himself instead as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Very earnestly, we ask the press also to observe this request, for otherwise we shall be greatly handicapped. We're not an organization in the conventional sense of the word. There are no dues or fees whatsoever. Look very closely at this sentence. The only requirement for membership is a honest desire to stop drinking using, lusting, acting out, whatever it may be. Now, we're talking about the third tradition. Anybody that knows anything about the traditions know that the third tradition is um, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. The word honest has been taken out of that. In fact, if you look, I think it's on page 562 of the fourth edition where the, where the 12 traditions are, are listed you'll see that the word honest was taken out. Why? How many of us really have an honest desire to quit when we get here? We want life to change. We want it to be a little bit better. 
but we don't really want to quit what we're doing, most of us. Now, some of us are beaten into a corner and we have no choice. You know, we have to quit and then we find out we can't and we're in a whole lot of trouble. So it says we're not allied with any particular faith, sect, denomination, nor do we oppose anyone. Thank God for that. I know guys right now that will only sponsor certain men if they are of this faith or that faith. My book says something quite different because if that worked, why did you come here? And now that you're here and now that you found relief from that, why would you put a condition on that whenever that didn't happen in your life when you came here for help? Thank God we don't oppose anyone. I've had people tell me, you know, there's certain people that that shouldn't be allowed to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous. No, sir. Mm -mm. I think anybody applies for membership here. They do. We simply wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted. That should be a question for me. Is that my hope? Is that what I'm here for, honestly? Now that I've had this experience, do I wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted? We shall be interested to hear from those who are getting results from keywords here, this book. Because if you have had an experience through this book, you're absolutely not going to hold that to yourself. You're going to want to pass that on to your brother. If you don't, you miss something somewhere. That's my experience. Particularly those who have commenced work with other alcoholics, we should be like to be helpful in such cases. Inquiry by scientific, medical, and religious societies will be welcome. So let's take a look at the word scientific. And if you have a pen, write mind above that. Look at the word medical above that right body and look at the word religious, right spirit above that. Body, mind, spirit. We're going to see it all the way through. What we're going to come to learn with different eyes, our spirit has never been sick. That's not possible. It just can't be. Now, my mind self has convinced me. People tell me, oh, yeah, the book says that we're spiritually sick. It absolutely does. You're right. But if you read that very closely, it says the resentment's the number one offender from it. Talking about resentment stem all forms of spiritual disease, not from the spirit. So if I'm full of resentment, am I going to be spiritually sick? Absolutely. Is that going to be brought on by a human condition called self, which manifests in various ways? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. So. That's what we will be looking at. That's what will set the course for the rest of the study moving forward. So forward to the second edition. Figures given in this forward describe the fellowship as it was 55. In those days, there really was no difference between the program and the fellowship. Today there is. That's why their numbers of success was so high. Since the original forward to this book was written in 1939, a wholesale miracle has taken place our earliest printing voiced the hope that every alcoholic addict, think about that today, who journeys will find the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at its destination. Already continues the early text, twos, threes, and fives above have sprung up in other communities. That's what's happened with the Freedom Seekers group. It started with a couple of men. It went to three. It went to five. People started springing up in other communities. Today, it's all over. It's everywhere. 16 years have elapsed between our first printing of this book and the presentation in 1955 of our second edition, Look at the Hand of God and How It Works Here. In that brief space, Alcoholics Anonymous has mushroomed into nearly 6,000 groups. You think a bunch of drunks and addicts got together and done that? Absolutely not. They were guided by a power much greater than self. 
Look at the membership. It's far over 150,000 recovered, not recovering, recovered alcoholics and addicts who have recovered from alcohol, drug addiction, lust addiction, sex addiction, codependent, all of it recovered, not recovering. That's a promise. Groups are to be found in each of the United States, all the provinces of, of uh, Canada. AA has flourishing community in the British Isles, Scandinavian countries, South Africa, South America, Mexico, Alaska, Australia, and Hawaii. All told promising beginnings have been made in some 50 foreign countries and U.S. possessions. Some are just now taking shape in Asia. We know that today. The Bali group is here. They requested this study. They are in the southern part of Asia. I mean, it's wonderful. It says many of our friends encourage us by saying that this is but a beginning only, the augury of a much larger future ahead. My sponsor told me back in the day when I said, how does that apply to me? You told me everything would always apply to me in the big book. How does that apply to me? And he said, because that tells me that no matter where you are at in the world, you need to be in a meeting. Meetings are everywhere. In 2009, I took a cruise. Uh, I, I left from New Orleans and, and went to uh, Cosmo, Mexico. And as I was reading down the list of events, they had one on there called Friends of Bill W. And I said, wow, wow. I was able to catch a meeting <laughs> on that ship. It, it was just unbelievable. So anywhere you go, and today is Zoom the way it is. There's meetings all over the place. But here's the key. I've got a few minutes left, and we're going to kick it off and go to questions. But I really want to talk about this part right here. The spark that was to flare into the first AA group was struck in Akron, Ohio, in June of 1935. On June 10th last month, Alcoholics Anonymous turned 87 years old. So June 10th, 1935, that is whenever the first group was struck at Akron, Ohio, during a talk between a New York stockbroker, which we know to be Bill Wilson, an Akron physician, we know this man to be Dr. Bob, Six months earlier, the broker, which was Bill, had had been relieved by his, by his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience. Following a meeting with an, with an alcoholic friend who had been in contact with the Oxford groups of that day, which is a man by the name of Abby Thatcher. Now, he had also been greatly helped by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, a New York specialist in alcoholism, who is now counted no less than the medical saint by AA members, and whose story from the early days of our society appears in the next pages. From this doctor, and this is what I try to get across as a sponsor. If I can't do this for the people that I'm sponsoring, then I'm doing a disservice to them. The broker had learned, talking about Bill, the grave nature of alcoholism. If I don't learn that, and if I'm not able to pass that on, how am I going to be able to take you through the rest of this work and it be a success? There's no way, because until that's understood, we're going to continue to fall back into the same trap over and over and over. We might not drink, we might not drug or act out, but we're emotionally crazy. And that's where I'd found myself. So although he could not accept all the tenets, which is the principles of the Oxford groups, he was convinced of this, the need for moral inventory. Step four, confession of personality defects. Step five, restitution to those harmed. Step nine, helpfulness to others. Step 12, the necessity and belief upon the dependence of God. Steps two through 12. So prior to his journey to Akron, the broker, Bill, had worked hard 
with many alcoholics on the theory that only an alcoholic could help an alcoholic. But look at this great promise. He had succeeded in only keeping sober himself. I hope we all get sober. I hope we all stay sober. That's my great hope. But I can promise you this. The reason that I show up and do this over and over and over for this many years is because I'm interested in staying sober and recovering myself. That's the part of self that uh, seems to be healthiest. So the broker Bill had gone to Akron on business venture, which he collapsed, leaving him greatly in fear that he might start drinking again. You ever have that fear after being sober for a little while that you might act out again, that you may use again, that you may fall into lust again? Well, here's our course of action when that happens. He suddenly realized, and anytime I see that word suddenly, that tells me immediately sanity is returned. He suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another alcoholic. And that alcoholic turned out to be Dr. Bob, the Akron physician. And that's where we find ourselves. That's why we're here, is to carry the message to those who don't quite understand through the big book. I know my time is up, but I want to thank you guys for coming out. I want to thank those who hosted it. I really hope that you continue to come back. I know we're in the basic information of a lot of it, but when we break out of this and go into the doctor's opinion, I mean, this thing will take off in a way that, that you never, never could have imagined. So thank you all for being here tonight. And I'm, I'm really, really glad to be here. Thanks, Ashley. This concludes David's share on tonight's chapter, but we encourage you to keep listening as he answers questions from the audience and shares additional experience, strength, and hope. So he, he mentioned something about um, God and things like that. I'm just a religion type of thing. Do you have to like, just, I'm pretty of a newcomer. I'm just wondering regarding like, do you need to be like, have God in your, in your life in order to, to continue with this? Or like, let's say I'm not, you know, applicable with any religion, then what am I uh, looking up to? Well, man, I'm really grateful that you're here. And thank you so much for your question, brother. Um, I'm, I'm you 28 years ago, sitting there asking that question. Because I come in and, and my thoughts is, I've killed a man. I begged God for help when I was going through a lot of abuse as a child. Nothing ever happened. I never could understand how if there was a loving God that he would allow those kind of things to happen to me. So really what I did in the beginning was I came to believe that my sponsor believed I came to believe that the group had the power to do something that I couldn't do, which was to stay sober. Now I didn't call God by any name or any of that, but I did look to the group for their support, for their help, for their guidance. And that worked for quite a while. It did. But at some point, the mind got so insane, especially at three o'clock in the morning when I was trying to call those group members and they wouldn't answer. I soon learned that I had to depend on something more greater than myself. And as we continue to go through these chapters, um, what we're going to see is once the insanity is gone, there's only one thing that remains, and that's sanity. And we're going to look at that at the end of we as Gnostics they're, they're on, in chapter four of this book. I think it's around page 57. It gives us a very, very good promise that we're not really going to have to go look for God. We hear that all the time. 
In fact, it says this, he's restored us all to our right minds. It says he has come to all who has honestly sought. And it says when we drew near to him through the process of this book and the way we're going to go through it, he discloses himself to me. I don't have to go look for him. It's already there. And what I come to find is that reality is deep within myself. That's the only place I never looked. I looked everywhere they told me to look and I didn't find it. But when I done that, I did. So I encourage you. Sounds like you're new to keep coming, uh, grab some phone numbers off this meeting. There are a lot of guys on here that have had this experience and, uh, and mine as well. And thank you so much for your question, brother. I'm really, really glad you're here. I hope you come back next week. It's going to start getting much deeper. I had a question, Dave, what's, what's your experience with this? Maybe this is, um, beneficial to all. You have any experience? Um, and besides, we are sure that our way of living has its advantages for all. Do you have any experience in that? I absolutely do. Thank you, Bicor, for your question. Thank you for your service. And, and I love you, man. All means all. Um, there are a lot of people who suffer from alcohol, lust addiction, sex addiction that don't even have the problem. When I went to my first Al-Anon meeting in 1994, they read the steps off the wall and they said, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol in our lives and managed. Well, I looked at them, I said, you don't drink alcohol. And they said, no, we don't. I said, then how can you be powerless over it? And they said, it's because of the behavior caused by alcohol that makes us want to control and fix. And we get very sick the same way that you do from drinking it. So we realized that it's not you, that it's the alcohol. That made more sense to me at the time than anything could. So when the book says that it has its advantages for all, that's what it's talking about. That the book has, the experience has its advantages for all. Now I've come to learn in your sense that if alcohol is the problem, just don't drink it. There's not going to be any problem. But every time I quit drinking it, something crazy happens to me in my mind until I have to go back and drink it again to make that quit. And we looked at that on the title page tonight, isn't that's the problem. And that's what we will see as we go deeper ism. That applies to everyone. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your problem is. Everybody has ism. They just do. And that's what we suffer from there. Again, you know, if I cause my problem, I don't drink it. There's no problem or there shouldn't be same way with lust and act now. If lust and acting out is my problem, my problem should have went away almost three years ago. There's people on here much longer than that. I know some 14 years on up the line. Their problem should have been gone, but you could ask any one of them whenever they stopped doing that. Did the problems go away or did the problems begin? Now, if you're a real alcoholic and a real lust-holic, you're going to know that once you put that medicine away, the insanity that comes on us is unbearable until we return to it again over and over and over. That's something much deeper. So to answer your question, when it says we are sure that our way of living, which is through these 12 steps, as are these principles, as they're outlined in this book, it has its advantages for all. Because I know many people who have went through this process and recovered from control, from the battered emotional, and, and we put we put people through so much 
as sexaholics. I mean, I, I look at the damage that I've done to people through the years that I couldn't even imagine at the time because I was so self-centered. As I look at that now and I look back, I think, my God. But most of them that I know today that I've made amends to and that there's been healing that's taken place, they look back and say, you know what? It brought me to a place to where I had to look at my resentments. I had to look at my fears. And one of the things I always tell them, it's not my fears. It's not my resentment. When I learn more about self and the way that we're going to go through this book over the next several weeks, I'm going to see any time that I attach me to that, that I've become a part of that. A guy once told me, you know why you can't get your ducks in a row, Dave? I said, no, why? He said, because they're not your ducks. And I never considered that. So we're going to see that um, there's something much deeper going on here than the medicine we use to, uh, to uh, medicate it. So anyway, thanks for your question, brother. Thanks for your service. And thank you so much for what you've done for this study. I'm really, really glad you're here. What is the difference between your spiritual experience that you had in the, your early recovery? Uh, I don't know if you said it was around three years and then the one you have had since. That is a great question. Thank you so much for asking that. That's um, what happened to me in 1995 after being in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous is I had this experience. And for the next three years, it was just it was just life changing. There's a part in We Agnostics, and we're going to cover that when we get to there. And it talks about being carried from the from the bridge of reason to the shore of faith. And I, I never really knew what that meant, what the bridge of reason really was. But if you look at the bridge of reason, it does have a capital R, and it's really talking about the thoughts, the mental. And what happened to me was whenever I got to the shore of faith, when I had that experience, I was on what the book calls the shore of faith. But the problem was nobody ever showed me how to use steps 10 and 11, which is self-examination and meditation daily in order to keep that experience effective and growing. I just had the experience. I took off in the fellowship, began to carry the message, speak all these plays, doing all this stuff that, that I knew to do. But after a period of time, what happened is exactly what it says that will happen to me on page 85 is that trouble will return. Now, it doesn't say that we'll drink or any of that, but it says, you know, that, that that trouble will return. It's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action. And that's what happened. As a result, you know, I got very miserable in the fellowship again. And then instead of reaching for the drink, uh, the lust and the acting out took its place. And that's what I've suffered from for the next 24 years. Now, when I had the experience in 2019, after coming back, I knew. I knew exactly what had happened to me because I'd been on that short faith before, 24 years earlier. I knew. But I also knew that I wasn't going to be able to stay there without a guide. And I'm not just talking about any sponsor. I needed somebody who had had an enlightened experience, not that just had a bunch of years sober in recovery or Alcoholics Anonymous running around talking about how wonderful the program. I needed someone who had spiritual enlightenment. And I met a guy uh, from California after listening to him talk. And I could tell very well that he had had this spiritual experience the way that I had. And so I approached this individual and I asked him, I said, look, I, I want you to be my sponsor. But, but here's the deal. I don't need someone to try to tell me how to read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I know how to do that. 
I don't need someone to try to tell me how what to do with my life. I know how to do that. What I need you to do is show me how to stay on the damn island without falling out and my mind coming back and self-trapping me into that again. And so that's what's happened. He began to show me through steps 10 and 11. And when I work with somebody, that's the first place I take. I don't care if they got one day or they got 10 years. We go to step 10. We look how to self-examine ourselves each day with the five things that are listed on page 84. We do a nightly review every night by email to each other. And as they work through the first nine steps of this book, from where we started tonight to where we're going, we have seen such a great success in that and in, in the recovery rate that has taken place now. But in my own experience, that has kept me growing in effectiveness and understanding. And that's been the difference between my experience then and my experience now. No one showed me how to do that in 95. And I fell back to sleep inside of the rooms and got in a very, very dark place that almost took me out and a lot of other people along with it. So I'm very grateful for your question. Thank you for asking that. And I'm really glad you're here. I hope you come back next week. So. My question is, I know that we talk about these principles and that they apply to any any place that I'm troubled, but I know, for example, I know you well enough. I know that when you found that you were powerless over lust and really, really got that, you came to a specific fellowship, Sexaholics Anonymous, to go through the process using that focus and that identification. And my question is, I know there's other areas. Like I'm really, um, I'm really just getting wiped out by food. I'm powerless over food, and is that something that need in your in your experience, perhaps in your opinion, but definitely if you can in your experience, is that something that can be handled through a gener a general understanding, or does it need to go through the filter of like Overeaters Anonymous, Food Addicts Anonymous, one of those? Uh, but I, I, you can take this question outside of just the specific thing that I mentioned. Just do we need specific fellowships in addition to this? for challenges that we have where, where our powerlessness shows up again, like you did with lust. Yeah. It's good to see you brother. And, and I'm really grateful for that question because when I did my fifth step with my sponsor and I went through, as I went through this process of the book and we sit down and did the fifth step, he told me, he said, David, and this first man that ever told me the truth like this, he said, you've got an addiction that Alcoholics Anonymous is not going to be able to take care of. And that hurt me to the core. I said, man, I could never imagine going to another program. And he said, oh, no, no. I didn't say anything about the program. I was talking about the fellowship. He said, I think wherever a man gets help is wherever a man gets help. So he encouraged me to get help outside of the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's what I sought out. Now, with overeating, what I've learned, and this is partly from my experience, but mostly with a lot of people that I worked with, um, overeating, undereating, whatever it may be, when we get to the doctor's opinion, we're really, really going to break that down and see how the allergic reaction takes hold of us in that area of life. Because any time that I'm not turning to step 10 the way that we do it, and I'm not turning to God, 
then those emotions are getting the best of me and they're overtaking me. And if my drug of choice is food, I'm going to reach for something unhealthy. And whenever I put that inside of my body, it's going to produce a craving for more of the same. And when that happens, I'm not going to be able to stop until I'm sick and guilty and mad and then all kinds of trouble with it one more time over and over and over. So I think, you know, to answer your question specifically, as far as the fellowship, absolutely, I need to be with my brothers who have been through what I've been through. And Alcoholics Anonymous, especially where, where I was at, this may not apply to everywhere. So anybody that's say, hey, don't take this personal. For me, I found a lot of judgment for my behavior inside of the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, when I come to all editions of Anonymous SA, places like that, I ran into a lot of alcoholics who had been through what I'd been through. I, I, I didn't know that. I just didn't know that. So it was very helpful for me to seek out people of my own kind, so to speak, to really help me in this road of recovery. But what I discovered along the way that was really food, sex, lust, all that, that really didn't have anything to do with what was the matter with me. Self. Selfish and self-centered, that's the root of my trouble, driven. If I look at that one word, driven, and I say this all the time, I might have been along for the ride, but I'm definitely not the one driving. I'm being driven by something much bigger here, and I don't even know that's happening to me. But once I start to learn that, I really start to break free of that stuff. That's why I say I represent not one fellowship, but many but my primary fellowship is all addictions anonymous because it's all addiction. It's food. It's, it's all of it. And so, yeah, I'm very grateful for you and the work that you've done, the experience you've had and the way that you carry the message. Thank you so much, brother. Glad to be here.